Welcome to Career View. This is the podcast where we ask questions you want to know when it comes to pursuing a career path. I'm your host, Nirija Shamal, and each episode I will ask questions on behalf of students across the country from secondary schools and universities what they want to know when it comes to pursuing their dream job. For today's episode, we'll be asking our top questions that have been submitted by students on our Career View website who are interested in a career as an occupational therapist. I'm joined by 24-year-old occupational therapist, Alice Tran, who specializes in equipment prescription and home modifications. Alice never imagined pursuing this career growing up, but found herself extremely passionate helping people finding their independence through this career. So let's get into it. Here we are. Here we are. Here we are again for another episode. Alice, it's great to have you here. How's everything going? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. You are our first OT. Oh, how exciting. Very exciting because we have a lot of great questions for you. Once again, students want to know. What's this career path all alike and what's it about? And I'm very happy to have yourself. Oh, thank you. I would have so many questions if I was just a student too, so (laughs) happy that this is happening. It is a hard time when you're in school trying to understand what you want to do and this is why we started this. So I'm really pleased to have you. Alice, before we jump into our top questions asked by students when it comes to a career path of a occupational therapist, I want to ask a question of my own and I do this with all my guests. And I want to know, when you were at school, did you always think, OT was the goal? No, straight up, no. Never thought OT was the goal. Didn't even know what OT was until I was in my second year of studying the degree. Unbelievable. Yeah, there you go. I always thought something in the health sector, for sure, but never OT. Maybe nursing, midwifery, psychology, all the other crazy things that you could do, but never OT. So as a student, you really were open to a lot of different things, but you thought health sector for what reasons? Well, to be fair, I was never good at maths. I was never good at like your physics, chemistry, music, arts, awful. But I guess growing up, I saw a lot of doctors myself. Mm. And I always knew that being in that health sector and helping people feel better in whatever way we could, that was the ultimate goal. Fantastic. And was mm. that, um, how were you getting this exposure to the healthcare industry and, and doctors? Was it through family? Was it through friends? What was that influence from you? Pretty much through, so I suffered asthma quite heavily growing up. So I would always see specialists for that. And it was always in and out of um, Princess Margaret Hospital back Mm. when it was a thing. And the nurses there were so friendly. I would see other kids with physios and OTs there as well. So I always knew that being in that field of just helping people, that was what I wanted to do. And I didn't think that there was any questions about it. Fantastic. Alice, and it's clearly worked out well for yourself. And here you are, happy as an OT as an Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty happy, to be honest. You made the right decision? I would say so. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Really great to know. It's always interesting to hear what inspired or where you first realised that this could be a career path for yourself. And some people know very early on, but as yourself, you realised second year into your studies, which is quite some time. And what age were you at that point where you realised, okay, this is for me? Oh, I think I was about 19 to 20 years old at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So way after school. Way after school, (laughs) way after school. I think in high school, when you have to put in your preferences of what you want to get into Mm. for uni, my brother and I were just going through the course book and he was just like, why don't you just do OT? And I was like, I don't even know what that is, but I'll put it as top preference. And then first round offers came out, got a spot, started studying. First year was like, what's going on? Mm. No idea what this degree is all about. Mm. But I stuck it out because Mm. I was like, you know, maybe I'll learn what it's about. 
and then came second year and that's when I was like, okay, this is what I want to do. Fantastic. Worked out well. Thanks to your brother. Just shout out <laughs> to him. <laughs> yeah. I never let him know though, but I should. Yeah. Uh, now he does. All right, Alice, let's jump into our top questions asked by students when it comes to this career path of an OT. The first question that we have for you is, how did you decide on what specialisation within OT mm-hmm. you wanted to focus on? Uh, okay. So I studied at Curtin. And the good thing about the degree at Curtin is that there's always practical components throughout the degree. So especially in your third to fourth year, you're given lots of placements and through those placements, you get lots of exposure to the different sectors of OT. Like I had a mental health placement and I knew immediately that was not for me. I can't, like, it's just not my thing. Mm. Had a placement in hospital that was highly stressful, lots of pressure every day. But you do clock in, clock out, and that's it. So mm. that I knew that I wanted to do something that was just clock in, clock out. And then I had a community placement, which was very much visiting people in their home environments, getting to know what life is like for them in a non-clinical setting. And that's when I knew, yeah, I want to see people and just see how they live their life, not being a patient per se, mm. but just being a you know a normal person. Yeah, and yeah. so it was that real practical exposure through your degree absolutely that you could see exactly how you could decide on. Mm-hmm, yeah, for sure. If you didn't have that, what would you do? Like, would that have been much more trickier in terms of deciding, or you? It would have been a little bit more tricky for sure. But again, in saying that, Curtin was pretty good. They did give us a lot of different units that specialise in different areas as mm. well. And I think through the units, I kind of found that I liked like equipment and home modifications to make mm. the home environment safer. So the units through practical stuff was pretty good mm. and that helped me decide. But it was definitely the placements that kind of set it all in stone. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's probably important for students who are interested or deciding mm. if they want to pursue a career path as an OT is to find whatever study that allows that practical element to come into place. Absolutely. And Curtin University was a great selection for yourself. Yeah. And was that a specific decision to go to Curtin or? At the time when I graduated year 12, Curtin was the only uni in WA that offered OT. I understand now ECU offer the course as well. But I believe the courses are quite different. I think mm. Curtin's more theory-based mm. and then ECU's more practical-based. So whatever your learning style is, go for that. But Curtin was very good for me. Great advice. No, I like it, Alice. Moving on to the next question that we have for you is, did you struggle to land a job after completing your degree or your studies? No, not at all. It was first job I went for, got it. Wow. Yeah, Just dream like that. job, dream job. Yeah, really? got it. Yep, straight off the bat, Yeah. Wow, so is that is that rare or is that just what, is that common? What Look, is it? It's tricky because the good thing about OT is that it's so we can work in any environment. You've got your paediatrics with young kids, you've got your adults, older adults, palliative, the whole age spectrum. Mm. We can work in any setting. Wow. So for me, finding that job, it was pretty much just one night. I was on seek. It came up and I read it and I was like, "This is exactly what I want to do." Applied for it, got the job immediately. Just like that. Just like that. Yeah, I mean, I'm really curious because I've never heard this story before. Oh, really? You just apply, you get a job. Yeah. And like, what was the response time? Was it a day? Was it a week? Or like, and, it and was over Christmas. Okay. So perfect Christmas present. There you go. <laughs> um, so basically, I think in OT you graduate, you finish all your course studies in November. Mm. In fourth year, we have placement until mid December. So I finished placement, and then I was thinking, do I want to take a gap year? Do I want to jump straight into it? Coming from the background that I do with my parents being very strict Asian parents, it was very much, you graduate, you get a job, Mm. that's it. So I was looking around for jobs and I knew that if I didn't apply for a job then, when all the offers were out for the new grads, I'd probably struggle a little bit. So applied for it and 
oh, I think I applied just before Christmas. And then once they were back in the swing of business working hours in January, they called me up, offered me an interview, did the interview for about 20 minutes. Yeah. I thought I flunked it because it was so quick. Got the call back within a couple of weeks. Job was to start in two weeks and that was it. The rest is history. Alice, great to hear. Congratulations. Thank and I'm you. glad it went so smoothly for yourself. Yeah. And it, once again, that's rare. I've, I've never heard of that. <laughs> Something like as smoothly and as quickly. But I do want to ask you when it came to, it's not just the fact that it happened quickly for yourself. It's probably to your credit, your abilities, your skills and mm. the way you conducted yourself in the interview and the impression you left. Yeah. Do you think there was anything that you know, even though you believed you flunked it, was there elements that you thought, no, that's why they valued me and that's why they wanted me on board? I think... Yeah, look, I think the placements that I did through uni really helped me develop all my skills. So I am grateful to Curtin for offering me all those placements because I know a lot of other unis you have to find your own placement. Okay. But Curtin pretty much provided it to me. And then it was just a lot of interview practices. Yeah. Like I have another friend, he's an engineer and he went for so many jobs. I think the first year after graduating, he couldn't land a job mm. because it was just that tough of a market. But because of that, he had done so many interviews. Okay. So approaching someone who's got that interview knowledge and skills mm-hmm. and has done it so many times and just getting them to practice with you, that built up my confidence as well. And I think naturally I'm a little bit of an extrovert. So that seemed to help a bit with the interview process too. Sounds great. And that's really great advice for our listeners out there. One, being the interview skills and being able to be Mm. comfortable in front of a person and sharing your story. But secondly, the practical experience and exposure that you had, Mm. because that's what the employer is looking at at the end of the day. What have you done? Where have you been? Yeah. And luckily through Curtin, they gave you those placements and it definitely solidified solidified your role and, and, and your ability to get the job. For sure. I think a lot of students also don't believe in their own confidence. So they don't really translate what they've learned in practice into like a workplace interview. But everything you've learned is relevant. All of it's relevant. Mm. You can just carry it over into a conversation and get yourself a job. Absolutely. Great advice once again. Moving on to our next question that we have for you is, what is a brief day in your life? And what does that look like? Okay. So as a community home visiting OT, start the day in the office, which is in Perth. Every therapist in my company has different catchment areas. For me, it's Mandra. So I start the day in the office about 8 o'clock and then 8.30, head out onto the road visiting clients. The clients that I have, they're veterans. Mm -hmm. So your Air Force, Navy, your Army, go out and see all of them. And the role that I have is just to make sure that they are well set up at home, whether that's a few grab rails so that they can sit to stand safely or... You know, if they've got any arthritis, shoulder pain, giving them jar openers, can openers, things to just help them live independently and safely at home without relying on too many other people. So do about four to five visits a day and that's the whole day gone. Mm. So by the time I finish, it's 3.30, drive back to Perth. Wow. That's clocking in, clocking out. And you're always on the road. You're always moving around. Always, yeah. Some some weeks I'll average like a 1,000 kilometres a week. Wow. Yeah. Other weeks it's quiet. It's about 300 kilometres a week. Are you serious? Yeah. So that must be extremely exhausting or do you like that kind of schedule where you can move around quite a bit? I love the autonomy. Mm. The fact that I'm on the road on my own, I'm not being micromanaged Mm. by anyone sitting beside me or just sitting in an office all day. Yeah, I do like the freedom and it just works well with my lifestyle. And is that just unique to your area of being an OT or is that kind of more or less general for other OTs in the the, the industry? I think it's pretty unique to our place. Mm. Yeah, so other OTs, you might just be in the office all day, in the hospital all day, other communities. OTs, you might go out for a little bit but then come back 
whereas we are on the road all day. All Seven day. hours of the day, never see you in the office. I'm really curious to know what you're listening in the car. I'm sure you've got a playlist going. Murder mysteries. Oh, really? All the time. Yeah. It's probably the worst because I'm driving <laughs> rurally and there's like not a, <laughs> oh, not a single soul in sight, but it's what keeps me going. Like what? The blood's just always on edge. Hey, whatever gets you going from A to B, that's, that's, all, that, that's all that's important. Alice, I like it. Next question that we have for you is, what is the most challenging aspect of the role that no one tells you about during school or during your study period? Oh, okay. So the most challenging aspect about being an OT is the fact that everyone relies on you to know what you don't know. Okay. So you have the fact that we do work across the board in all areas of health people expect you to know things that aren't in, within your specialty. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's pretty good to say that you don't know because it gives you the confidence to be like, I don't know, but I can go research that for you. Yeah. But a lot of the time you do have to turn around and say, I, I don't know, that's not my area of OT. Yeah. And then that's when people are like, but you are an OT. Mm-hmm. Why don't you know that? So finding that balance between what you do know and what's within your scope, that's something that you're not really taught at. Yep. Because, yeah. OT is OT. Absolutely. That sounds very confronting as well when someone says to you, you should know that. How Mm -hmm. do you react to that? You've just got to tell them, look, we specialise in different areas. Some Mm -hmm. OTs do know this, some don't. And the ones that don't know other things that other OTs won't know. Mm. Um, And just being completely transparent that we all specialise in different things, but we all have the same goal. Yeah. And that's just to keep you independent and safe at home. Absolutely, yeah. And being able to... I think that's a big area where your skills of communication come across as being an OT. And it just makes me think what really makes a good OT is someone who is being able to translate that yeah. in a way that makes someone comfortable mm-hmm. and understanding of the situation. Absolutely. It's a skill that you learn along the way. Yeah. So not everyone's born with it, so you just learn along the way. Excellent. No, really good to know and something important for listeners to know out there once again if you're interested in this career path. Next question that we have for you asked by students is, what did you find surprising when you first started working? Okay, so the most surprising thing was how much trust your employers have in you, even as a new grad. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... Throughout placement, you go in and, you know, you've got a supervisor, they're managing your whole schedule for you. Every moment of the day, they know what you're doing, where you are. Whereas when you're a new grad, you are literally on your own. And you might find that really, you might feel helpless, but the support is there. So just having confidence within yourself is something that I found really surprising because it's just something that you've got to pull out of nowhere. And you said there is support, but also being able to still work in an environment where you're completely independent. You know, Mm. there's no real kind of transition period. You're you're thrown straight into the deep end. How did you deal with that personally? Talking about thrown into the deep end. So when I got my job, I was expecting to work in the Perth office and they were just like, do you want to work in the Bunbury office? And I didn't want to say no to the job. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I took on this Bunbury role. It was literally Monday morning, drive down to Bunbury. Thursday afternoon, drive back to Perth. Oh, wow. And that was every week for a whole 12 months of my life. Wow. Yeah. There was no other senior down there. So it was just me, two other new grads, both of them no longer worked for the company around the six-month mark of my time down there. So for a whole good six months, I was on my own with no support whatsoever. And it's in that time that you're really challenged. So you've got to just kind of figure things out on your own. But... Yeah, there's always someone you can call. There's always someone you can ask questions to. And the thing is, everyone's really understanding of new grads not having that like that understanding of what it's like to be on your own and make your own clinical decisions. So, yeah, you can always call on someone, even just a colleague, ask some questions. Uh, Help is always there. That's good to know. I mean, mm. the fact that you can call people. But also I've noticed that sometimes grads 
try to, they don't ask questions. They yeah. avoid that because they think, oh, I should know this or I shouldn't seem weak in yeah. front of my superiors, you yeah. know. Yeah. Did, did any of that creep in and did you see that come across a little bit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there was actually a few times where I would ask my senior a few questions and it, they probably, looking back, were like very straightforward questions. Mm. But at the time, I was stuck. There's been times where the answers were like very friendly, you yeah. know, made you feel welcome and you could ask all the questions. Other times I have been given responses where it's like, oh, that's a bit scary that I even asked. I shouldn't have asked that. But it's just you need to ask because you don't want to make the same mistakes again. Absolutely. And that's why when you're a student, you are encouraged to ask as many questions as you can. Yep. Because once you're in the workplace, there's less flexibility to ask all those questions. It's more of a, like you said, like you should know. Yeah. Kind of situation. Yeah. I highly encourage that as well for all grads in any career, Absolutely. in any industry. Yeah. Ask the questions. Mm-hmm. You're not expected to know everything. And if anything, that comes off as arrogant. If mm. if anything. And it shows the humility of the fact that, hey, look, I'm I'm at I'm struggling. Yeah. Please help me. Yeah. And knowing how to ask those questions, I think is a very important skill. So it's important for listeners and for anyone out there in any career, mm, ask exactly. questions. Yeah, and that's yeah. the thing. They always say like someone else has the same question. It's hundred percent true, always. Yeah. So just like ask. It. Just ask away. Next question that we have for you, and you've already answered this pretty well, but maybe you can give a bit more detail, is how hands-on is your job? Super. Super duper hands-on. So to be fair, we don't really do anything remote. So every day I'm going into someone's house, I'm talking to them face-to-face, nice little chat. Sometimes I'm watching them get in and out of their bed, on and off their toilet. Sometimes if people have any injuries on their bottom, I'm literally sticking my hand under their bottoms to feel the pressure so it's very hands-on we don't like to do anything remote because given the age of my clientele being around 60 to we've got got clients at 104 and so given that age they don't like telehealth as well yeah so it's very hands-on doing whatever we can coming out and seeing them as much as we need to so yeah that's that's pretty much the beauty of my job is that it's never sitting back at a computer doing nothing doing nothing with the client it's always being out and about in the community, seeing people. Fantastic. And and that's a great way if you enjoy that kind of work life, yeah, right? Hands-on, being in front of people, moving around. But also there's an element where I'm sure it has some kind of mental drawbacks in terms of the amount of work and the amount of moving on. Does that exist for you? Absolutely. I don't think you'll find an OT that says they just clock in and out and their life is great and they don't take the work home with them. It's just, I guess maybe it's the nature of the OTs that you'll meet that we just like to do what we can to the best of our abilities, Mm. that we're always taking work home, trying to perfect our reports, things like that. But there is a little bit of a mental drawback, especially as a new grad. So I've been two years in this career and there have been so many days where I'm working late. I'm staying back. I'm supposed to finish at 4.30, but I'm there till 6.30 doing notes. I'll take my notes home with me. I'm doing reports at home. But, you know, you're not expected to. But I think it's just that new grad mentality where, you know, it's kind of like you look at it as an assignment. You've got to get these things done. You've got yeah. due dates for everything. But at the end of the day, mental health does come first. Absolutely. And working with patients so closely as well, you, I'm sure you're developing a relationship, a bondage. Yeah. And when you see that they are in, in some kind of distress or pain, mm-hmm. um, has there ever been situations where it's really affected you and, yeah. and you've been able to address that in any other way? I think especially being in the community sector and seeing how people are, you get to develop a relationship with them over the long term. So unlike hospitals where people can be in and out within two weeks, Mm. a month, seeing them 
I've got some clients that I've been seeing for two years now. It does get stressful when they're not in the best of ways. And the best coping mechanism is to debrief with colleagues, your seniors, because they, they've seen it all. They've been through the same boat. And then just talking to your loved ones, you know, letting them know, oh, work was stressful. This is, this is what's going on. Obviously, keeping that identification disclosed. But of course. Always just debrief with anyone and everyone that you can. Get it off your chest. Talk about it. Because if you don't, you're just going to go downhill from there. Absolutely. And being conscious about talking about it. I think Absolutely. not just talking for the sake of it, or that, but just conscious that knowing that, hey, I need to, need, to be, I need to be around people that I can trust. Absolutely. And I can feel comfortable around it. So I really mm-hmm. do admire that. And once again, it's yeah. across all different careers. For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Next question that we have for you, a very popular question <laughs> that we always get among all students and all, across all different career paths mm-hmm. is... Does your role have good pay? Yes, I would say so. Hmm. Steady pay, yes, very. Given that it's full-time employment, you always get your pay every fortnight mm-hmm. that comes by. Mm-hmm. Does it have good pay? I would say so. Yeah. Every every area of OT offers different pay because the risks are different, the stresses are different. Sure. So if you were in mental health, you'd get paid a lot more because the mental stress for that role is through the roof. Whereas for my job, it's pretty standard. So you're your basic new grad rate, you're looking at about 65. Starting off. Starting yeah. off, 65. Mm-hmm. Now that there's such a high demand for OT, is given that the, I don't know if you've heard of the NDIS or no. the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So that's the new funding body for disability. You need OT reports for anything and everything in terms of equipment, making the home safer. Mm. So the OT demand has shot through the roof. So a lot of places are offering a lot more than 65. You'll mm. get some places that offer you base new grad salary, 90 mm. grand, straight off the bat. Straight off like the that. bat, yeah, mm-hmm. wow. And, and is the progression quite significant as well over the years? Have you observed anything from starting off with $65,000 mm-hmm. as base? Yep. Let's say as an example, how is that progression year on year over a period of time being a senior, OT? Yeah. What does that look like if you have any? So in the first two years, you do get regular reviews and that's more so just to see how you're going in your role rather than getting your salary increased, mm-hmm. but it does come with it. Within the first, I believe, within the first five years, I've been told you can go up quite high to mm. about 90 in your first five years. And then once you pass the new grad phase, you do, you're just an OT for a while and then you become a senior OT. Mm-hmm. Senior OTs, you can earn six digits pretty much a steady senior OT rate. Right. But obviously it fluctuates with your role as well. Yeah, it's always yeah. dependent as well. But just That's once it. again, good for students to get mm. an understanding about this because in any kind of career path, there is an investment yeah. of your time, of your studying, and obviously you're passionate about it, but also you want to understand how does this support one day when you're working in the field, your lifestyle. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. And would you say your lifestyle right now with the career that you have and being how hands-on it is yep. and you're moving around, does it still support? Do you still get social time? Do you still get time off? Do you do you have a good, let's say, a good work-life balance right now? Right now, yes. For the first year of OT, no. Yeah. So in that first year, working rurally, being on my own, all my family and friends were in Perth. I was mm. down in Bunbury on my own. That was a real struggle. Mm. I would only see family and friends three days a week. Yep. And that's just not enough time to fit in time for yourself as well as time for family and friends. So having the confidence to say, hey, look, this isn't working out for me. I can't do this long term. Can I transfer back to Perth? That was life changing. Yeah. Yeah. So right now, yes, Monday to Friday working, but after work on those days, I've got time to look after myself, hang out with friends and family. So yeah, you know yourself best. You know what works for you. Just go with it. No, I'm pleased to hear it. And that's the reality of it as well. I think um, appreciate your honesty when it comes mm. to that because it's not all, you don't just work Monday to Friday. You don't. It's not just all calm and no, cruisy. Never. It's, yep. it's, it's never the case. It's actually, there's a lot of work and you'll more or less, as you said, mm. you take your work with you. You want to perfect it. You want to yeah. learn. And especially that early period, yep. there is so much involved. And yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's it. Great. Next question that we have mm-hmm. is, 
Is there a difference between working regional and metro? And what would you say some of the pros and cons for both? Okay, so having had done both, working metro, obviously after work hours you've got more to do. You know, you can go shops, you can hang out with friends and family if they're there as well. So metro is just good in the sense of resources as well. So all the resources that you need, whether that's suppliers, providers, typically metro has it all. Mm -hmm. Rurally speaking, you have like 25% of your resources. So when I was working down in Bunbury, all the clients that needed equipment, that was fine. We could get it sent down from Perth. But you go further down south and you're working in Augusta, Margaret River, that's when it becomes tricky. You've not got the supplies, you've not got the providers. So trying to figure out how we're supposed to get help for those clients that are so rural is the challenge. Whereas Metro, click of your fingers, everything's there, there. whatever you need. Mm. Yeah. What would you prefer, like looking at both? I guess this question has come up because, you know, maybe students are just trying to decide whether they should go regional, Mm -hmm. whether they should go Metro, obviously. Looking at both, what do you prefer now? I personally prefer Metro purely for my lifestyle. But in saying that, if you are tossing between the two, you've got to think about what your lifestyle is. You've got to think about the pay. Mm-hmm. Rurally, you get paid a lot more. Mm-hmm. Okay, so rurally, the government also gives out companies that work rurally like a $5,000 bonus per year, which means that those rural companies can afford to pay you a little bit more because they are being funded to service those rural areas. So yeah, money's one thing. The other thing about working rurally is can you handle not being so close to the things that young people like yeah. in the city, you know. Rurally speaking, down in Bunbury, there's not much to do. Yeah, People that live in Bunbury might find it different. Yeah. Um, but for me, growing up Metro all my life and then going down to Bunbury, it was a total change. Even the driving, the scenery, everything's different. But if you do like that countryside view, I would say go for it. Because the drive's yeah. beautiful. The yeah. whole area is beautiful. The people are lovely. But yeah, you've got to toss up between a few things. And that's where that self-reflection comes in and you need to sit down and really understand mm. what do you want? Absolutely. Right? It, it goes beyond just your career. It's the lifestyle that you want. And what do yep. you value? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it mm-hmm. the flexibility? Is it? And I guess at the end of the day, OT is so versatile. If you're down rurally and you happen to not like it, there's bound to be a hundred other jobs in Perth, Mm. in Metro, that you can go for and get the job confidently. Great to know. Great to know, Alice. Last question that we have for you asked by students is, Mm -hmm. what do you find rewarding about the role? Pretty much everything. I'm going to put it out there. Pretty much everything. There's not a day that I come home and I think, oh, you know, this job sucks. Every day there's... Just little things like you have so many elderly ladies that just the osteoarthritis in their hands so bad they can't open a jar. Mm-hmm. You know, they just want to have some jam with their breakfast and they can't even do that. They've got to wait till someone comes around or they go ask their neighbours. So getting them a piece of equipment that then enables them to do that on their own empowers them. And it's little things like that. Just empowering people on a daily basis in the smallest of all forms is so rewarding. And just being able to keep people at home for as long as they want to be. Because there's nothing worse than thinking, look, I'm getting a little bit old. Do I have to move into a nursing care home? Do I have to move into an aged care home? Like those are really big life changes. And if we can kind of prolong that for as long as we can, that's what we want to do. So everything about the role is rewarding. Can't find any examples where OTs have found their job not rewarding. Yeah. There you go. Fantastic, Alice. And that wraps up all our questions that we have for you today. For our listeners out there who have more questions for Alice that did not feature on our list today and would like to connect with her, just visit our website, careerview.com.au. This is where you'll find Alice's profile and you can send us some more questions, which I'm sure she'll be happy to answer at some point. (laughs) And uh, with every episode, don't forget to submit the questions that you want to know, especially to young professionals who've been there and have done that and can share their story. Alice, 
It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm really, really taken back with some of the responses of your experience as an OT. Before I let you go, mm. one last thing that I want to ask you. Okay. When we started this podcast, you told us about the whole decision-making process for yourself in terms of selecting OT. But if you had to kind of go back mm-hmm. to school and think about what you wanted to do again, would you do anything differently? Hmm. No. I think I actually thought about it pretty well. I took the last, like year 11 and year 12, there's so much stress on choosing what you need to do based on what career you want to go into after high school. But for me, it was just cruising through, doing the bare minimum to get into uni. Mm. Because what they don't tell you in school is that there's so many other ways to do what you want to do without having to get a really high ATAR. So just cruise through it. Do what you love to do. Because more often than not, when you study and do the things that you like to do, your results will be better than being forced to do the units that you don't want to do. So do what you enjoy because that's what gets you the results. Alice, I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Cool. Thanks for having me.